See It or Screw It is a spoiler-heavy show. If that's something that upsets you, then you can currently watch Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy on Hulu or Amazon Prime or rent it anywhere you can rent things. If that's not something that upsets you, then please enjoy the show. Welcome to episode one of our brand new channel, See It or Screw It. We're still not certain what we're going to call this type of episode, but this is episode one, goddammit. So let's go around and introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Dan. Uh, he, him. Uh, I don't know. I've known these guys forever, so. I mean, you, you also actually have a degree. Oh, yeah, I know. I have a degree in screenwriting <laughs> from the prestigious University of Southern California that I'm not really using but whatever i know film analysis i went to school for film analysis well i had to take courses in film analysis so yeah but whatever and actively <laughs> working as a pa yeah actively working on film sets right now but that's not doing <laughs> yes a very I, I i yeah obviously i have a gigantic ego so you know it's good yeah all right uh i'm emily schick uh pronouns she her um yeah i'm here mostly to be color commentary like i'm essentially the fry i i took a singular film class in you know all of my in with all of my stem courses but you know uh mostly i'm just here because hopefully i'm a good foil and I've also known these guys forever, like Dan said. So, yeah. And my name's TJ Davis. And these are two of my best friends that, uh, you know, love the hell out of them. I have no formal education in film. I've just seen approximately... You took the same introductory well, yeah, to no, film I, as art like, class film in high art school in high school. <laughs> And I took like a couple of film classes in community college, but by and large, I'm mostly just somebody who's seen at least 10,000 films at this point. Yeah, you've probably seen the most films out of all of us, but that's um, just because you're a gigantic horror buff. So, yes. So I've watched a lot of like trash fucking films, but. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hey, trash <laughs> films can be great. So, oh, like, trash films, are, trash films are trash fun films. as fuck. And yeah. I think that this show is probably going to get into like some trash, potentially even some. Well, at some point, we're at some, some point yeah. we're going to watch some trash films just because they're trash films and they need to be seen. But yes. not this, uh, this episode. Well, I don't want to give away our rating yeah. at the end. Well, like, but, all right, so yeah. Now we're going to announce what this episode is. This episode is one of my personal favorite movies. Which See, I yeah, you're, you're like, giving away the ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, like, I, I'm kind of, yeah. Um, but this episode is the 2005 adaptation of Douglas Adams' story of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, directed by... Uh, Garth Jennings, I think. I forgot yep. to look up the name of director. Amber and Tongs, but yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, should we should we do synopsis or like talking about casting first? I think probably. I mean, we can mention the casting. I mean, and yeah, we'll just say the casting. Yeah, I mean, like through through the synopsis, we can mention 
how they cast. So a little, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, uh, that that's probably the way to go. So, do you want to do the synopsis or? Oh, I can do the synopsis. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, all right. So, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a story of uh, uh, Arthur Dent or Dent Arthur Dent, depending on how you want to say it, played by Martin Freeman. Um, it's about him. And he finds out that his house is getting torn down, but he doesn't know the greater danger that's right around the corner. Although his best friend Ford Prefect, as played by most deaf or um, what, yeah, Zine Bay. I'm always I'm always in like not quite sure how his first name is pronounced. Um, but yeah, he is he is going by Yazine Bay um, right now professionally. Um, but for much of his career, he went most deaf. I think he's still releasing stuff as most deaf so it's not i mean most name is, but yeah most deaf so. was his stage name that he adopted when he first started getting into music because most deaf is a musician well um, it's most definitely the greatest name ever right so. <laughs> <But> on, <laughs> um so his best friend that he doesn't know like he knows his best friend but he doesn't know his best friend is from a small planet outside the star beetlejuice so not of this earth. Um, but his best friend does find out about, you know, probably, what, maybe 13 minutes, 15 minutes before the Something end of like the earth, that. that the earth is ending, being destroyed by a Vogon fleet. So his best friend being a researcher, although this is not actually established well in the movie, and it's what we're going to talk It is about established, too, but, but I will agree it is not established well. But yeah, again, is a researcher we'll for the best-selling book in the entire universe because it's slightly cheaper than the alternative, and it has in large, friendly words on it. Don't panic. That being like that. the titular Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, after that, you know, they get hitchhike off Earth, get onto the Vogon ship, um, get expelled the off the Vogon ship. And then get picked up by the Heart of Gold because Dude, it's, we, so in, it's so improbable. Well, it's not only improbable to get picked up, but it's improbable that on board the Heart of Gold is also oh, a a woman that Arthur met at a fancy dress party um, yes. that had the same, at which it had the same exponential number um as uh, well like the, phone the number. same improbability factor yes. as the phone number of one isn't islington flat that arthur first met trisha mcmillan or right. as she's better known trillion played by um zoe, zoe deschanel. deschanel yep um before zoe deschanel, deschanel like really was quite zoe deschanel like this yeah. is pre-new girl so yeah this is pre-new girl um and then she was actually picked up at that same party by a man from another planet, one Zaphod Beeblebrox, the president of the galaxy, phenomenally played by fucking Sam Rockwell. He's just this guy, you know? He's just this guy, you know? Uh, <laughs> I love Sam Rockwell so much. I love Sam Rockwell, too. Uh, so the four of them get together with an additional fifth being uh, Marvin the Paranoid Android. Um, acted by Warwick Davis, voiced by Alan Rickman. Really enjoy this iteration of him as well. Uh, they end up having to do some misadventures on their way to try and find their way to Magarathea. Magarathea being a 
planet builder planet. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're using the improbability drive. Um, so they need to. So it takes them wherever it wants to go because they don't have coordinates. So... Well, to the most improbable place, but ah. where they need to be. True. Because like, uh, all right, we're, we're going to get into some of that yeah. discussion. No, um, yeah. And along the way, because even with infinite improbability, it doesn't give you immediate coordinates to where you want to be, but it'll take you to where you need to be. And that leads them to Vogel 6. Um, I knew you knew the plant name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, the primary species of that planet are the Gentrobardi. Um but there's also a church there that I can't remember quite the name of, but their high priest is played by fucking John, John Malkovich. That, that guy. Yeah. Malkovich, John Malkovich. 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 Yeah. Um, at some point we might watch being John Malkovich. That movie is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, but like, that's not this episode. No. Um, and yeah, going to Malkovich, gives them the ability to get to Magrathia. Once at Magrathia, we get a... Um, well, know, I mean, you, you're skipping over some important stuff because Zephyr Beeblebrox happens to have two heads um, that, at, you know, because he needed to split his brain because in order to be president, you can't have all your brain waves in the same place, apparently. Um, and so he makes a trade with... Uh, with John Melfitch's character, uh, Hamakavula. I knew, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that that basically he gives uh, he gives him uh, one of his uh, heads in exchange for the coordinates to Magrathia. Magrathia, yeah, well, smart head. He, he, he yeah. trades him one of his heads. Yes. For something that would like paid um, off in the sequel. Know, yeah, down payment. <laughs> yeah, and yes, it would have been paid off in the sequel had uh, the fantastic. Douglas Adams not suddenly died of a heart attack on a treadmill, but yeah. So yeah. I mean, well, also this film needed to do better at the box office. Um, yeah, but it didn't. All right, we're gonna get into that later. We'll too, we'll get but... into that eventually. But uh, you know, oh, uh, so anyway, as they're leaving, uh, Harmon Kavula is that how I pronounce it? Hama Kavula. Hama Kavula. As they're leaving. And uh, the Vogons catch up with them uh, and kidnap Trillian. So in one of my favorite sequences of the film, uh, Arthur, Ford, uh, Zaphod, and Marvin all pilot an escape pod towards uh, the Vogon home planet of, I think it's just Vogon. Vogsphere. To rescue Trillian. Um before moving on to Magrathia, but uh, and then you know once we get to Magrathia, like getting to Magrathia is essentially our Act Three of the movie. Yeah, Magrathia um, is mostly Act Three. Yeah, yeah. And then you know they end up splitting up with Zaphod Ford and Trillian end up finding Deep Thought deep thought being the super well it's just because developed. arthur's a coward i mean like well, really yeah. that's i mean i i think that's one of the things and, and we'll we can get into this a little bit more but i mean it's important to the plot summary of just sort of our arthur's arc is his you know timidness and overcoming that um 
he gets bolder and bolder as the film goes on. And, you know, basically as we, you know, in the structure of the film and whatnot, uh, this is a big point in which he gets separated from the crew, uh, from the rest of the characters by virtue of the fact that he is too timid to go through the uh, teleporter that takes Trillian Ford and Zaphod to Deep Thought because Arthur musters the courage just a little too late and doesn't make it through the portal in time. Um, And he gets picked up by Slarty. He he gets picked up by the, you know, Slarty Bartfoss as... Uh, Can can I just want to like, I want to pause for a second here. Yeah. I want to say like, Slarty Bartfast, I think might be my favorite named character in anything i've seen or read i do not understand why i love that name so much but i fucking adore that name and the performance from one bill nye yeah i don't know they always play up that name and i always feel like i i'm missing a joke or something that that's i mean and that's one of the things is is you know so much of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy has appeared in a lot of media, um, and there wait, are wait, wait, let's, let's no, no, no I know, I'm just saying yet, there there yeah. are consistent jokes that show up in each version, and one of them is that Slarty Bartfast's name is ridiculous. Slarty Bartfast, yeah, like like that is consistent in almost every version, um, except for the video game in which he doesn't appear, um, and uh, that well, is we'll and like that, that is a joke that. Too honestly has never landed for me but i know other people appreciate it because it's always there so anyway moving on go ahead moving on um so picked up by slutterbart fast ends up discovering that earth is not what we think it is that earth instead is a living supercomputer created by mice not actually mice but mice that appear to us as such because they're technically fifth dimensional beings that are just projections as mice into our understanding of reality. Yeah. I mean, this is a like, and this is one of, this is something that's inconsistent across the film um, because I think that the film very specifically states that um, humans are the third most um, intelligent life form. uh, And then, and uh, uh, dolphins are the second and mice are presumably the first, but it really only seems to be these two mice in the film, um, whereas other versions have much more specifically stated that all mice are. But this this film really seems to make it seem as if they're a little inconsistent on whether or not it's all mice or these two, because at points they are just these two, and at other points it is all mice. So, And again, we're, we're yeah. going to get into like Yeah, we'll get into stuff. it. We'll get yeah, into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to get through the goddamn synopsis. <laughs> we're we're nearing the end. So <laughs> we're nearing the end. Um, uh, we forgot to mention that part of the agreement with Hamakavula for the coordinates of Magrathia was that they had to get a gun from Deep Thought. Well, created by Deep Thought, but um, the point of view gun. The point of view the gun. Point of view gun. That's more or less what it is. But, like, it's the... uh, Fuck, I have to go to my notes real fast. It was created at the request of the Consortium of Intergalactic Housewives because their husbands could never understand how they were feeling and they just got so tired of saying, you'll never understand how I feel. Uh, But yes, 
So, because this is an important part of the plot as well, or at least a well, it's part a Deus Ex Machina to defeat yeah. the Vogons, but yeah, yeah. Um, so they end up meeting the mice. The mice want to steal Arthur's brain because you know they find out that Earth was destroyed by the Vogons at the sign off of Zaphod five minutes before their 10 million year program had finished. So they want to steal Arthur's brain so they can cash in on finding out what the question is, because they already know the answer. That was the creation of deep thought. The answer is 42. But what's the question? Life, the universe, everything, which is a question. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been easier to know what the actual question was. Exactly. Uh, also, Deep Thought, played by Helen Mirren, or voiced by Helen Mirren. Ah, Fantastic. Yeah. I forgot about that, yeah. Um, so then, you know, Zaphod's just depressed that he doesn't know what the question is because he wanted to have, you know, future intergalactic fame. Because, like, you know, being a president is temporary. Knowing the question? That's forever. Uh, fucking hell. What the hell happens next? Oh, we're back oh, on Earth Mark 2. No, I mean, basically, yeah. I mean, it's it's basically a, the mice have taken Arthur. They want his brain um, because they use a wooden chair. He's able to escape. <laughs> and Crush the, them. Right. He, kill, he kills the mice. Um, and then the Vogons descend, trying to reclaim uh, Zaphod. Um, well... Onto Earth Mark II because right. they need to recreate the Earth to figure out what the question is for some reason. Um, and yeah, the Vogons descend upon Earth Mark II. Uh, Arthur, Zaphod, Ford, Trillian, and Marvin are all at the recreation of Arthur's house. And then, you know, fucking. Vogons descend, they're shooting wildly. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a nice call out by Marvin about the fact that they have Stormtrooper aim. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then get sh- shot in the back of the head. Well, I mean, them. that's the thing, is he tempted fate, you know, so. Uh, but it doesn't kill him, and Marvin's able to use his point of view to defeat the Vogons. Um, with utter depression. <laughs> right. Like, instead uh, of being a focus beam, he flips it open for a wide spray and just lets his horrible mind into all the Vogons who just immediately fall over out of sadness. Right. Um, and then, yeah, and then Arthur overcomes his timidness, um, saying that he doesn't want to remain on this recreated Earth. He wants to continue to uh, take it, go on adventures with... Trillian and presumably Ford and Zaphod and whatever the name of the vice president was. Um, Westerla. Westerla. Uh, Westerla. Who has Cute. had a huge crush on Zaphod this entire time, which has been somewhat and motivating her actions. We get implications that they were involved together throughout the movie. Uh, Nothing like. I'm not sure if we get it. We get implications one... that she likes him. I don't know yeah. if we get implications that that they were involved. But either way, um, you know, Arthur says he wants to leave and everyone else is content to go to the restaurant at the end of the universe. 
Not that. And they end start of the year. flying away <laughs> and say, "Not that." And well, Ford in this says, "I know a restaurant at the end of the universe." They yeah. start flying towards you know what seemingly would be the edge of our universe. When he also says, "You know, not that end of the universe." So, what end of the universe could it be? Well, I mean, usually it's yeah. I mean that the way that's described is interesting because it does still play it as geographical whereas um the book series usually portrays the restaurant at the end of the universe as chronological. the end of time yes yeah yeah but uh all right so that is something that's not gonna be visited because this movie never got sequels and we'll never yeah, no. get sequels yeah. at this point we'll, no. we'll never get sequels at it's this 16 point. honestly as much as i would love to see a sequel to this I wouldn't want a sequel to be made without the input of Douglas Adams. Agreed. Like, that's the thing is, you know, there are some significant changes in this from the book, and Douglas Adams approved all of them. Right. So, um, it's like... Douglas Adams not only approved, Douglas Adams had a lot of input on oh, how yeah. they were changing the story. Like, yeah. Hamakavula is entirely created for it. He came up with that. Um, the vice president... Questrilla. Questrilla. Yeah. Um, she she's entirely created for the movie he came up with her like I don't think you know, they visit the Vogon homeworld in any other they don't it, go to Vogue sphere correct. I think yeah. they do end up on Vogue sphere Maybe it's possible it's of, possible um, of so long for thanks oh, yeah. yeah and then so long for thanks so to long. the all, all yeah. the fish does reintroduce Vogons like the Vogons in other media like especially like they're pretty insignificant like they destroy earth and then they're they never appear again um they appear in they're pretty significant in so long for thanks for all the fish but on almost other every other version of the story all they do is destroy earth and are never seen again so uh no yeah. written version of uh restaurant at the end of the universe does have a like mm. c plot with the okay. Bogons. Yeah, it's been. But oh, it's not I, I haven't super read it while. in so yeah. fucking long. But like, like that's I, the I only yeah. version of um, restaurant at the end of the universe that. Yeah. That has no, and I mean, there's it. some really cool stuff that they like. I you know with the Vo- like the Vogons are kind of the coolest thing about this movie in my opinion. Like they're really really cool puppets. Um, oh, like, I mean, yeah, Henson yeah. Company. Like, yeah. I love, it's one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I love yeah. in this movie is, yeah. like, the physical effects and the puppetry inside of it, I think, has aged really fucking well. Yeah, they look I mean, fantastic. Yeah. In yeah. terms of effects, the only thing I ha- I think hasn't aged that well is Zaphod's second head. Just always looks so bad to me. But I do enjoy how they changed for the movie from the radio play and book for the how Zaphod is presented. Uh, I think that, you know, having him have chin head is a much better idea than having him have like shoulder head. Whereas like radio play book and uh, BBC miniseries are all having him have like shoulder head and just like a random gangly third arm sticking out. Yeah. The BBC miniseries design is not good. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But generally speaking, like it is one of those things and it's a problem that you run into with a lot of things of just basically because we have two eyes, we're really not good at focusing on anything that has more than two eyes. Um, So really, you can only do Cyclops or Biclop 
to characters and get away with them as character designs. Um, you'll notice in pretty much anything that has any multi-eyed character that you're really actually only looking at two of the eyes um, in most of the designs. So it's it's just how how we work and how we observe the world. And also um, so, our lizard brains, our yeah. lizard brains think that anything with more than two eyes is unsettling. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's not necessarily. Like well, no, there's a number of horror movies that. Oh, oh, no, no. Like but I mean, like, eyes yeah, but there's also effects. a bunch of there. there's stuff like I feel like. I feel like the Steve Buscemi character in Monsters, Inc. has four eyes. Um, and but you're only really focusing on two of them. Yeah. Like and that, like that, that happens design has like a primary two eyes. Oh, exactly. Like and that's that's the same. It's eyes. just like secondary eyes that we don't focus on. Um, so like that's the thing. And anything that's three eyed, you're almost always looking at the two furthest apart eyes and completely ignoring the center eye. So, like, yeah, um, like, yeah, yeah. Like Garnet on uh, Steven Universe, like you are looking at the two eyes and ignoring the third eye above. Third eye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's just kind of how our brains work. Um, but, you know, I mean, having two heads gives him four eyes. And I mean, especially in the BBC miniseries, you're noticing the head that's uh, that's actually played by the actor. Not uh, not terrible, but not great. Um, no, like... I, I so <laughs> I use this episode as an excuse to like just chew through all the other Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy media. The BBC miniseries, I was paying more attention to the fake head than the yeah. real head because I found it really distracting in just how fucking bad it was. I mean, like, it's I very, felt like, but the BBC miniseries is like 1981. Yeah. So it's got a very, um, like, Doctor Who in the late 70s. Well, I mean, but vibe. that's the thing. And that's the thing that's about even about this movie, though, is like you can see a lot of Doctor Who influences. Um, like but the production value of this is. Oh, oh no, no, I know. I know. I mean, like, well, I mean, new Douglas Who Adams instead like, of like 70s Who. I mean, like that's what Douglas Adams, like he wrote for Doctor Who, I believe. Um, he did. And um, one of his. No, two of his stories were made. One was the mythical unmade episode, but he did get city of death and the pirate planet. Yeah. Um, uh, both Tom Baker days. Yeah. I thought it was almost exclusively Tom Baker, but, um, yeah. uh, I, you know, I, I, and it's just like Hitchhiker's Guide to the galaxy operates in uh, something that's very similar to Dr. Who. Um, and that's, Oh, they're definitely characters that would potentially exist within the same universe. Maybe depends on depends on who what version of who we're talking about, but yeah. Uh, I mean, I could see the doctor being like, oh, "Save Hod, fucking fuck that guy!" Like <laughs> he came to a party once, he did all of my blow and fucking drank all of my pangalactic gargle blasters, and then gave me an upper decker after that. <laughs> he's he's no longer welcome around me. Yeah, but I can yeah. totally see that. Okay, I mean, in you know, I mean, and that's that's the thing is is like I just feel like, and, and, and I guess that's I don't know, I don't know where we're going with this discussion now, but one of the things that's really interesting about this movie to me is how Americanized it is. Like when you go through the primary characters, like like 
in most other incarnations, Zaphod, Ford, and Trillian are all British or played by Brits. Ostensibly British. Yeah. Ostensibly. Yeah. (laughs) And in this, they're all Americans. Um, Uh, Except for... Martin Freeman. No, because his Arthur. No, Dent no, no. no. I, I said the truly. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the other are yeah. all American. Like you have basically you have Arthur and Marvin of like the main five characters are Brits. Um, and you know, sixty percent of the like crew are are Americans. So it's kind of a big departure. Um, which considering how British a lot of the humor of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is, um. Like it, it causes some issues. Uh, like I think, I think that Sam Rockwell plays it off the mo the best. Um, I would agree. Trillian has always been kind of a really bad character in the franchise, um, and I yeah. think that they do a lot to actually make her a character in this. Um, but at the same time, it's also shoehorning a love story that isn't present in a lot of the other yes. media and doesn't really work that well um because i don't well, I mean, think zoe Deschanel media... and mark freeman have a ton of chemistry no, no, <laughs> yeah no they really don't and and honestly martin freeman comes across as like creepy nice guy, nice guy like kind of well i mean and have a fedora and be no i mean and that's that's a problem with arthur dent and i think that really and this is you know i like my biggest problem with this film as i realized rewatching it um and i think it's just in doing hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy in uh the film medium and i also think it's a problem with the video game um is that basically it shifts your focal point from the narrator to arthur um and the best part yes. of the series is the narrator Yes. Like Agreed. the the book and the radio play are great because the narrator is way more important and you're allowed to have Arthur be super pathetic um, because he's because you don't care. He's just a, the butt of a joke, um, whereas you kind of need to identify with him more when he's in the in movie. Visual he medium. is our in, in the movie. He is supposed to be like he's supposed to be us. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, that's the thing is like he's arguably the protagonist um, and it's just like you're allowed to have much more fun at his expense when the protagonist is the narrator, which is so weird to say like the protagonist is the narrator. But it's just like so much of the best jokes in this franchise and there a lot of them are put in this movie are just the guide going on random riffs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there are a good number of them that are actually that made it into the movie. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, all the, almost all the classics do. The one, the big one that's missing, which isn't a deleted scene, is that the entry on Earth was edited from harmless to mostly harmless. Um, but like, oh, also talking about the babblefish being proof that God doesn't God exist. doesn't exist. Yeah, which is also a bonus scene from the movie that yeah. didn't make it into it. Yeah, disappointing, but also understandable because you know want to piss off the christians i guess well especially if you're trying to appeal to american audiences who um you know i mean i think that what uh, america is number one in uh prison population and uh per capita that believes in angels um that's the only two things that america is number one in which not 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 great claims to fame (laughs) 
No. Yeah, no. I'm, no, I'm, it, I'm surprised it's bad. I think more by the second one because I think the first one I was entirely aware of, but like yeah. I'm not surprised by the second one at all, yeah. dude. Yeah, per capita believes in angels the most of any other country. It's uh I think I'm stealing this from an Aaron Sorkin thing, but like yeah. So Yeah, no. They're yeah, we're not we're surprisingly we're religious for how developed we are. Yeah, we're not a particularly yeah. enlightened society overall. And I mean, it's not to knock religion. I think religion can be positive, um, but I do think that... Hey, to uh, the right person, religion is a good thing. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. personally consider myself, like, agnostically atheistic. Yeah. Because it's like, I cannot not believe that there's not other intelligent life out there, but I'm not thinking it's like you know a bearded white dude well i mean that's the thing is i i still believe i would be i would believe more that there are interdimensional mice that are technically our gods without us realizing it well that's the thing i'm not i'm not convinced i'm not sure i'm convinced of the omnipotence of god i'd still consider myself christian um but it's definitely doesn't really fall within any of the major denominations that I've, I'm aware of um, because all of them have problems. And I think that the problem that you've run into is that religion is great until it's organized. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and then it can be used as a justification then, for yeah. whatever the powerful want to use it for. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And historically we've seen a lot of that. Um, yeah. Religion has been utilized as a sword far too often in the history of man. Right. Which, you know, yeah. I mean, and that's, it's interesting the way that religion is, portrayed in this movie to try to bring things full circle because it is kind of despite like avoiding that god joke they still have their weird like our religion is based on the belief that uh that the universe is a sneeze like that whole (laughs) the great awful seizure yeah so i don't know why i'm remembering all these like no no it's good it's good because like i don't remember most of them um like mainstream religions like voodoo or oprahism (laughs) hey hey oprah is like the greatest human being who is alive during our lifetime. And I could actually go on a huge rant about this, but like Oprah's amazing. Um, <laughs> yes. Cough, I was going to tell you, guys, God, you, cough, you didn't cough. know, but I set this up with Oprah because I knew that Emily was going to mention Oprah. So what I need you to do right now is what? look under your seats. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, you there's get a nothing. car, you get a car. Yeah, no, yeah, there's nothing because she doesn't have a show anymore and she's not giving away cars. So, yeah. Um, all right, let's bring it back to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a more responsible choice for Oprah not having a show, honestly. Because, uh, uh, again, the promotion of uh, really weird quack people, like, uh, I think she's the reason that Dr. Oz is no longer, like, an amazing surgeon. He's now a shill for, like, no, um, but Dr. also, like, John of God is... Uh, is her fault too so oh, oh dr phil was her John fault of god was yeah. her fault yeah no. I, I knew that dr phil was her fault i don't think that dr oz no. was her fault no maybe not but dr. a million little dr. threads or a million was. little pieces no there's a lot well. of things like that she's, she's had issues over the years she's had but some honestly issues. it's mostly unfortunate that you know donald trump ruined like celebrities running for president because fuck right i would have voted for president oprah 
I don't know. I mean, it's a bizarre situation um, that I let basically the only person more popular than Oprah. And this is something that I that I realized in the run up to last election is probably Michelle Obama. And it's kind of interesting that she is that while Oprah could probably win, Michelle Obama could probably beat Oprah, which is kind of amazing. So good for her. Um, yeah. Michelle, Michelle Obama Obama's has... arms 2024. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing is all she needs to do is show off those arms and yeah. Uh, but she's but, no desire. Yeah. No, but I mean, so like if we're going to work through this film, I mean, like one of the things is that this film is actually kind of structurally pretty interesting because I think that there's some, pr- it's pretty obvious where all the sequences begin and end for the most part, because they're really kind of like, here's this sequence, this sequence is starting, the sequence is ending. Like, you know, it's like you have your first seat, you know, it's like, generally speaking, you know, if you want to get into the, uh, uh, what is it uh, uh, from the, like Dan Harmon's story circle theory on screenwriting. um, Most, uh, most stories have eight sequences. Um, and, I mean, uh, disguises first, second, third. Usually, well, I mean, that's the thing first is, yeah, the, fir- is the like first act is the first. No, the first act, act is, is the first sequences. two sequences. The second act oh, is okay. the second four, and the third act is the last two. Um, but you know, ultimately, I, I should have all this written down, but uh, of what each sequence is supposed to accomplish. But with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it's like. The portion on Earth is the first sequence. The portion on the Vogon ship is the second sequence. The portion on the Heart of Gold is the third sequence. The portion on uh, the Harmon Kavula's as a planet is the fourth sequence. Then you Vogon is five. I Vogon actually might be five and six. Um, and then Magrathy. No, is um, five is back on the Heart of Gold. Six oh, is Vogue Sphere. It's Vogue Sphere, and then and yeah, and then the seven last is, is arrival at Magrathia, the, uh, and then and eight is finale. Yeah, eighth is Earth Two. Um, but yeah. Earth Two. Yeah, more yeah, no, it yeah. definitely fits into like those eight. Yeah, it, it's, it's personally, it's one of the things that I really enjoy about the movie as well. Not looking at at it in that eight act structure. I just feel but, like, like it has a very it has yeah. a very clear like Act One, Act Two, Act Three as opposed to like the novel itself or hell, even the radio play. Cause the radio play, oh, the radio play like, is the radio play is a trip. Um, act but... one, act one is like introductions and beginnings. Act two is when they arrive on Magrathia and then act three starts at the restaurant at the end of the universe after they get blown up on Magrathia. So it gets them flung into the future where they're at, Mulatani. Yeah, I mean, well, the the other thing that's interesting about this is that um, it doesn't. I mean, and different versions have different endpoints, but like, I I always feel like the complete story of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in terms of how it's generally presented, is to take the first two books as one story. Um, I agree, and and especially like, because like in my. In my large compendium of all five books from the trilogy yeah. of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like the first book's, I think, 143 pages. The second book's like 125. So yeah. they're essentially like- novellas. They're not novels. You know? Well, I mean, in that, in that, that has very small print 
in fairness, um, that version, um, because they wanted to fit all five books in. But yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. It is like slightly yeah. smaller. Yeah, but uh, ultimately, it like that's the first season of the radio play, and that and that is a complete story with the first two books. Um, it's because also it's, uh, the same with the mini, the, the BBC miniseries. miniseries. Yeah. So like um, the BBC miniseries and the radio play are pretty much fairly identical. Uh, yeah, I mean it's almost you know, like I think it is it the entirely visual? the same cast or I think they might recast Trillion, but like, oh, I didn't even look at that portion. I'm of pretty it, sure so it's almost the entire same cast. Um, so uh, yeah, but I I, I don't know quite what but yeah with each sequence in this it's it's like i think what happens is that each sequence has to be able to stand alone and some stand alone better than others i feel like other films will blend these sequences make it a little less obvious where this begin and end point is um and mm -hmm. at times this works in hitchhiker's guides to the galaxy the film uh, and in times, I do think it runs into problems. Um, like, I, I just feel like there's a lot that the film tries to accomplish very early on in terms of pacing. Um, and then it just, the pace of this film is very uneven um, as a result. Um, yeah. Oh, you see, now I feel different about that. I think the pace of the film works better than the structure of the books. Because even if you just consider well, the movie I mean, to it's... be the first book of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in the book itself, you get to uh, Magrathea approximately halfway through. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just like asides and Magrathea. I don't know. I mean, like, but that's the thing is, and we had said this is like the point of the book series and. To, and really kind of the point of that the radio the history of the radio play is something that we probably should get into um though is oh yeah no guys. we should be like moving more into multimedia at this point oh yeah okay so, like yeah if we want to get like, into yeah. multimedia stuff like like the the it, it's really interesting to see how the how hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy came into being because i think the idea was initially to do an anthology radio series in which different ways that the earth is destroyed um yes. like just like little half hour vignettes on and the yes. earth gets destroyed this way um but the first one they came up with was destroyed by aliens building this hyperspace bypass and they liked it so much that they just kind of built a whole series out of it um it wasn't even much they it was uh, uh douglas adams being at the script editor because like while he only wrote a couple episodes of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Fire of fucking Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, he was script editor for several years during the uh, Tom Baker days being the fourth Doctor. Yeah. That's why BBC ended up hiring him to create a radio play. And his first idea was having like, you know, essentially a, an anthology series of the Earth getting destroyed in different fashions. But he just attached to the idea of like intergalactic spaceway so much that that's what ended up creating the idea of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as the first radio play. Well, I mean, I also think that like the like Hitchhiker's Guide to Europe was a popular travel guide at the time. Um, that was the other part of it. Yeah. And yeah. sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> like 
playing riffing on that idea um in in such a way of just sort of like being a tourist in uh you know science fiction world because it's something that i don't think is actually like ever it's not really explored that much i mean like i and i mean it's explored a lot in doctor who with companions um but like a lot of the time it's just like yeah they're just from this world and whatever we'll go with it you know so yeah um or you know you do some fish hour water stuff occasionally but like like that's another thing that i do like that the book does over the movie is it really much more establishes that ford prefect is a researcher like um, like he's kind of an idiot and a fool well Ford's i don't always... think it's well established in any of the other medias except for the book well ford but... is always ford's always been a problematic character for me because basically he's very he's very important to starting the narrative and then he has nothing to do um, and that's something that happens in almost every other version. Um, in the radio play in the second season, it's interesting to watch him slowly go insane, but because of the nature of how that series is kind of ends on a cliffhanger, it's never really paid off. Um, and then you have, of like in all other, like, you know, he's important for the, he's important until they get to the heart of gold. And then he's basically just a source of one liners, like, he doesn't really have any narrative to him. He's just there. Um, and like, well, and in later books, he essentially becomes our Ford in many ways because he becomes the fish out of water. Oh, what? Ford uh, becomes the fish out of water? What are you talking about? Yeah. I'm fucking. I, it's been years since I've read all the books. Oh, I yeah. ended up in terms of multimedia. If you'd like to not read the book and instead listen to it, you can go onto YouTube and find a narration by Douglas Adams actually reading the book and doing different voices in it, which is pretty goddamn fantastic, might I mind you. Um, yeah, that sounds interesting. I Yeah, to hear what his interpretation of these characters should sound like would be interesting, yeah. Um, it also let me know that certain words that I've been saying wrong for years, hmm. um, like trying to go for the way that he says it, although I still don't like... Well, I mean, Ford Prefect is always Slarty Bartfast. Yeah. Because, like, for him, it's Slarty Bartfast. Yeah. But I do agree with his um, Babelfish, because Mm. I've always said it Babelfish. Yeah. But it seems like it's supposed to be, you know. Well, Tower of Babel. Yeah. Yeah, Babel. Um, But yeah, I mean. Babel being talking. Yeah, but Tower of Babel being. Babel, yeah. Yeah where all the languages came from, but there's uh, also a surprising amount of like Christian references in the novel that I didn't realize. Hmm. Um, Cause apparently like Ford prefect, his two favorite albums are the soundtrack to Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat and Godspell. Huh? Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I, well, that's one of the things is that at, you know, Ford prefect is always an interesting thing is because as he's a dated gag, like Ford prefects don't really exist as a car. And that's one of the things that's amusing in the movie is the car that almost runs him over is a Ford prefect. Yes. Um, so, um, which is very amusing. Yeah. If you, and like, I love that we get like the line of, you know, um, I thought the cars were the dominant species on the planet. Yeah, no, th- and so that's it's like a little bit of explanation. Right. But... And those are, those are new media gags. Um, because like, like, yeah, like, and that's one of the things that's almost a weird 
aspect of the film is that like we've seen that if you follow the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like my first introduction to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was actually the text-based adventure game because it came with like the computer, like the first computer that my parents bought. Um, and That's it just hilarious took, and awesome. Wow. And it took like forever to figure so out did, that the solution to the first puzzle is turn on the lights. Um, did, but Did you get really good at typing the word, word wait? Because I got really good at typing the word wait as no, I was playing it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the game is interesting. I like the aspect that it allows you to play as four trillion and uh, Zaphod and Arthur. Um, but the game has the similar problem of that the game becomes more about Arthur than about kind of the narration. Um, but I mean, again, Arthur is our primary character in it. Yeah. And it. I think probably the way it hurts itself the most is it doesn't really force you to consult the guide much. Uh, like, no, I, I would rather, I would rather yeah. be given puzzles to be like, shit, it's about this species. Let's search the guide. And like that. Yeah. The guide is almost clue. always useless, but you know, the guide is amusing. Um, it came out at like, you know, the game is kind of unplayable now, but it came out at a time where, or it was sort of like you're more looking around than trying to solve the puzzles. Um, and if you can get I mean, to, yeah. like, basically there are, it's two... one of the reasons why like text based yeah. adventure games just don't really work for my brain. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I played through the entirety of it, yeah. but I use pretty much a guide for like the right. entirety of it. I mean, like basically the, all the, like basically once you get to the heart of gold it doesn't matter what you can do what you do and you can just sort of dick around forever and have fun like like there are really only three puzzles in the entire game that matter unfortunately two of them are super early um no there's yeah no yeah there, there's four and three of them are super early because there's getting on to the vogon ship there's getting the babel fish which is notorious there's escaping the vogon ship without dying um, because you need with the atomic mm -hmm. vector plotter and then there's giving the well, right tool to Marvin at the very end. Those are really the only four puzzles that matter. Well, that's the big issue is yeah. giving the right tool to Marvin at the end because yeah. there are 12 possible tools throughout the game. And, and you have to one of them, them. Yeah. One of them might be that Phillips head screwdriver that you, you can miss in like bedroom. the first, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you can miss super early on. Uh, yeah. And, and then you're just fucking it to restart the game. And it's like, yep. That, that's a lot of a fuck you in there. Well, I mean, it's interesting that people have attempted to speed run that game and to speed run that game is to hope that and pray that the correct to that that tool is not one of the ones that you are intentionally skipping. <laughs> so I think there's a way of resetting how what tool Marvin has. But like, yeah, it's oh, uh, you can just save before you end up eating the fruit. Yeah. And then eat the fruit again. OK. And if it's not a tool you have. You no, no, no. Restore. you can you can just you can just walk in into Marvin's room and pray you have the right tool. I mean, you can also come in with the thing. Oh, you can do it that way too. Yeah, you can you can come in with the thing that has all twelve. But you tools can just in it. restart yeah. until yeah. You know that the tool you have is the tool that Marvin's going to need because you ate the fruit that right. you grew in the sauna. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. No, it, the game it, is weird. The game honestly, is really that weird. Sounds weird as fuck. I've never been exposed <laughs> to this, and I'm like, I think I'm good. <laughs> it's weird as fuck, but I'm not sure if it's my second or third favorite iteration. It's my second because I think iteration. that like we should probably we're like 
yeah. 50 minutes in. So yeah. let's try and like wrap up a little. Oh, no. Before we wrap up and start talking about multiple medias, I want to do some fun facts. Oh. And I'm fairly certain that you have a fun fact as well, Dan. Oh, no. So I'm going to do my first fun fact mm. is the theme for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was yeah. not written for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It was originally a song played by the Eagles, but I forget who wrote it because it wasn't written by the yeah. Eagles because they don't write their music. Uh, but it was a song played and released in 1975 by the Eagles called Journey of the Sorcerer. Yep. Uh, the reason that that song was chosen specifically by Douglas Adams was because he felt it had a spacey vibe and the banjo in it made him think of hitchhiking. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the Trump. It, it's a similar thing with the trumpet in the Terminator theme of just sort of like, this is a weird instrument choice. Like, yeah. Oh, and see, like, I think of Terminator, all I could think of is that 4B. Or oh, you have that dun 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 dun, 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 No, no, but yeah. over it, you have the bugle of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been years. Yeah. Actually, that's not a bad idea for this show. Is like the first Terminator. It's been a first long Terminator fucking is time. Great. Like God, it is I don't I think I don't think I've seen that in at least twenty years. It's been a while. But, um, all right. Let's keep on moving on. Yeah. Again, I feel like you had some random trivia oh, probably. when we were in like pre show. Yeah. What else are you got gonna hit us with? Um So the nickname of Ix is actually used not only twice in the movie, but also in the first book. And we get an explanation of it, too. Does anybody know what the nickname of Ix means? What does it mean? Nine? No. It means boy who does not understand what a harung is. Okay. We, we don't get an explanation of what a harung is, but like, yeah. specifically, Ford does not know what a harung is. Um. Oh man, I thought I had like one more good one. I don't know. I mean, generally speaking, it's just it's interesting to look at these characters across the medium, I think, because like Ford is I don't know, he's like I feel like uh Mosdef plays him really interesting and keeps him relevant despite the fact that really after the beginning of the film, he has nothing to do. Um, Unnecessary, like, yeah. Zaphod is the standout. Um, like I always felt like Rockwell is kind of doing a weird George Bush impression, which is amusing considering that he would go on to play George Bush in uh, the uh, what biopic about uh, Dick Cheney? What was that? Vice? Yeah. Um, I never saw Vice, so I, I never saw that. Didn't yeah. even realize. Like yeah. that actually makes me want to watch Vice now. Yeah. Um, and then. And, you know, like, it's it's a weird departure. And then the big, like, I, I don't know. I feel Marvin is a huge letdown. I think Marvin is great in the radio play, and I just don't feel he works in this film very well at all. I think his design is too cute, and there's yes. just something that, like, the depression out of the vo vocal performance just isn't coming across in a way that, like... I wanted something... More yeah. in a less way from Alan Rickman for that voice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I also think really that... feel bad for Warwick Davis because yeah. that character design, they didn't actually think about, you know, the actor inside of the suit. 
and he yeah. like really fucked up his neck oh. on that movie. Yeah, that because sucks. of just like the weight. Of yeah, the head. and and I mean, it's like I get that like the idea was that he has this giant a head, the size and he's always planet. looking down, so he'll look depressed. But I don't think it actually translated that well. Unfortunately, I think that Davis actually does a really good performance with the body, but the head is a distraction, and the head. Because they made it like I think making the head spherical was a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. It just makes the whole thing just too cute, and you just never really buy that like he's depressed all the time. Like, yeah, like, he needed. I think they would have been better with a flat face that had like an LED. Well, I mean, it's weird. Uh, like, I guess weird. It's like it's taking its cues from like Charlie Brown to an extent, yes. but like Charlie Brown is much more successful playing that depression. Um, in, in just sort of how he carries himself in in most things so um you know and then and then the big one is just trillion is like they make her very well i mean it's zoe deschanel so big surprise she's kind of mad pixie dream girly but See, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, no I, I have to agree with you like this is that is one of my largest there are disappointments that i have with this movie mm-hmm. but i think that the script for Zoe Deschanel's character is the thing I find most upsetting, at least now. Yeah. Because like in the book, in the radio play, in the miniseries, even in the fucking text, text adventure game, by the way, you can find that text adventure game on BBC.com. Oh, Just awesome. Google the text adventure game. You do have to set up a BBC account to oh, get man. save. <laughs> but it's free, so whatever. Like you can play through the fucking text yeah. adventure game, and oh, the text adventure honestly, game. again, like it's a lot of fun. I'm not sure if it's my second or third favorite iteration. There's a lot to like in that. There's a lot of weird choices. It's like, weird as hell. It is weird. Yes. It is really weird. I I was I was talking. I don't think I was talking to you. I think I was talking to another friend. Um, but like I, that, some of the puzzles. Like I love that. Like like there's a bit where you're on like a speedboat and you're driving towards cliffs and the yes, way that you, you solve the puzzle is to steer is towards the yes. cliffs. So the autopilot yes. takes over. It is yes. so ridiculously that, that, counterintuitive. That that like, but Oh wow. Yeah. Although a thing I'm glad that didn't make it into the movie version is Zaphod being named Phil at the fancy dress party. Uh, yes. I mean, I kind of like missed the camera on iteration. his shoulder. I, I like, like having the bird cage on kind of wish, is kind yeah. of hilarious. So. I think that's the only reason yeah. why I that's the only moment that I like the second head. Yeah. Is yeah. the excuse of the bird cage on the shoulder. Yeah. That's got it's the second head. Completely and ridiculous and it's amusing, but that's uh, speaking of that... ridiculous and amusing, one of my favorite details that only made it into one iteration of this property is that Prosser, the guy who comes to knock down Arthur's house at the beginning, yeah. is actually a direct male descendant of Genghis Khan. Yeah. I don't know why I find that tidbit so amusing, yeah. but like I love that, and I'm so sad that it hasn't made it in, into any other iteration than the novel. Well, I mean, that's... The, I mean, you know, I, and I'll, I think every version of the media has something like that. Um, like, Haman Kabula is big. I, I Like, in the radio play, I really like that they go to the publishing house, even though that they never paid off of that. Like, you know, in the series two, like season two is largely about um, finding out what's going on with the publishers of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and it ends on a cliffhanger. Um, 
but it's it's yeah, not it's a, book three, right? Uh, but I mean, well, book three just kind of sidesteps that with um, you know the cricket robots. Um, so oh yeah, I forgot about the cricket robots. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to talk about like mostly Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because yeah. in preparation, the only part that I listened to was primary phase of mm. the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I didn't listen to secondary or tertiary. Yeah, my main problem with the radio play i don't think is actually with the radio play but it needs a fucking remaster because oh, it right bad. now yeah. it's like unlistenable oh that's too bad um because i i, I you really can also find the radio play on youtube alongside yeah. douglas adams reading hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah no i mean because i i always thought that like you know like i said i think the narrator is really important um, and the narrator becomes a weird um, tangent distraction in the film and in a lot of visual versions of the film, um, of the series, I should say. Um, whereas, like, I, the narration is such a key part of why I like the first two series and why I think that the later fan-made series are a little weaker, um, because I just feel like it really needs to carry that weight of of just like being super British. Um, yeah. And yeah. Well, like, there is a sixth book that yeah. I have read that I remember like fucking dick all about. Yeah. But Alan Colfer, who wrote uh, Artemis Fowl as well, mm -hmm. um, ended up doing an approved sixth book. Yeah. Whereas like the actual sixth book is Salmon of Doubt, but Salmon of Doubt is not a Hitchhiker's book, although it was made into one. It's Salmon of Doubt is a fucking Dirk Gently book. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. That's the other main character that Douglas Adams had created in his lifetime. That's Like, yeah. honestly, I don't, outside of, like, Hitcher's Guide to the Galaxy, um, fucking Dirk Gently, and Last Chance to See, I don't think I could name anything else that Douglas Adams wrote. Um, I mean... Is last is the last dark tea time of the soul? Is that Dirk Gently? That's a Dirk that, Gently. Okay. Yeah, it's a second. I, Dirk I, I, yeah, I thought the I thought there was some tea time of the soul. Yeah. yeah, I thought I thought there was uh I thought there was some sort of stand another standalone thing that he'd done, but whatever. But yeah, I can't. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I can't name it. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, but ultimately, a, you know, a lot of his background was in other media. Um, plus, you know. He was he he's he's kind of notorious like you know I think what, what what's the quote oh, Douglas, Douglas Adams is quoted as as I love deadlines I love this whooshing sound they make as they fly by like he was he, <laughs> he was yeah. he was not yes, known for that is specifically a Douglas Douglas Adams quote that I forgot until you yeah, said it yeah no it is uh he he was very well known for not exactly um being able to crank out uh, media as, as rapidly as, uh, as other authors. Um, so like he doesn't quite have uh, the back catalog that others may have. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, you know, uh, I, I, I think oh. Trillian's generally weak in the books. I think that uh, Fenwick and Random were better characters that later I get added. I definitely agree. Um, and, but I think that like Trillian in the movie was somehow even worse in, in some ways. Like I, I, I don't think she was quite as intelligent. She doesn't. Yes, well, that's, that's the thing. My is, main issue is mm. like Trillian in the books has, you know, I uh, forget if it's like PhDs or master degrees, but 
it's like physics and mathematics, and she's actually a really intelligent person. She's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, I mean... And, like, they play down that intelligence. Like, there are hints of it in the movie, but there's no... They make references to it, but they don't actually... Like, you know, it, it especially early when we meet her on the Heart of Gold, it seems like she has... Uh, she kind of understands how the Heart of Gold works significantly better than Zaphod, um, and how it's kind of completely ignoring physics. Um, but those are all kind of throwaway lines. Yeah. Um, and also, they are in the. I mean, there's also the fact that like Zaphod is distinctly depicted as like a complete idiot. So it yeah, wouldn't he, be that. Much it wouldn't be that much of a stretch for else. anyone. Yeah. yeah. To like, you know, be the one to end up in control of the ship if the other person on board is Zaphod. Yeah. So. Learning on the fly. Yeah. But like, if you have, I guess, yeah, I guess if you have an advanced degree in like theoretical mathematics, then figuring out in which way a probability drive could work would be more understandable. It's just disappointing that within the movie itself, they don't. No, I mean, like, I draw specific attention. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, is they give her moments, like, I mean, she does say, you know, Zaphod says that that's impossible, and she says, no, it's just improbable, and they have references like that, um, but ultimately, she's just kind of in this love triangle the whole time that, you know, is played out in a very predictable manner. Um, With neither of the people actually being worth dating, because as much as I adore Sam Rockwell's (laughs) character of Zaphod Beeblebrox really dig the style want that fucking maroon um yeah peacoat like he's not worth dating and like no. fucking Arthur no. Dent is like straight up nice guy yeah 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 they're, they're it's yeah it's not great like it's just not a great look and like I don't know I feel like Trillian's whole personality in the in the movie is just manic pixie dream girl that like for, for some Arthur, reason yeah. guys fall all over. Like that's her whole personality, and it's like you're well, not. It's not even guys. It's, it's just so, Arthur. Zoe yeah. Deschanel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Zoe Deschanel is the a, you know a, like I. It's interesting because what manic pixie manic pixie dream girl is coined from. A review of Elizabeth Town, in which I believe the love interest is Kirsten Dunst, but um, it's embodied much more of uh, Zoe Deschanel's work, probably a largely due to um, Five Hundred Days of Summer. But um, yeah, which like, oh man, I love no, that. Movie. No, no, we're not going to talk about that because <laughs> that is a potential episode. Yeah, but um, you know, I hey, mean, it's we're just... like an hour and six minutes in. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it just up. interesting when we when we come with Zoe Deschanel to the point of view gun, which I do think is where it really is. Just sort of like we kind of want to make a statement here, we just don't know what we're saying. Like, yeah, you know. So, oh, and, I at and least it, appreciate what they try to say with it. Right. I mean, in like like at a point, you appreciate that they're making an effort with a character that they've kind of abandoned. This this film still doesn't really acknowledge um, that while Arthur is the last man alive, like Trillian's kind of right there with him. Like, I think it it acknowledges it a little bit better than other incarnations, but it's still like like everyone's falling over themselves to get Arthur's brain. And it's just like Trillian's right there, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, 
Um, I, like I specifically what remember wa- focus specifically re- remember watching like like uh, the ending of this in which like Bill Nye's like like are there any changes you want to make? And he's specifically asking Arthur, and it's just like why isn't he bringing Drillian into this conversation at all? <laughs> so, because she's a woman, a and her yeah. hormones don't mean that she's irrational and won't make good decisions, <laughs> and her brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worse. She's yeah. Shoot him with a fucking point of view gun. So. Um, so it's just kind of a weird place that they end up with, with her character. Like, and again, it's just like considering how she's portrayed in other versions. I, I somewhat appreciate the effort, but I still don't think it's all there. So, yeah. Um, I I wish she had like a better, not even character, but just like, well, I mean, it's just a a better better lines written for her well i mean yeah and and, and, and and ultimately like, i don't is... hate her performance it, no it, i think I, her performance i really fine. i think the only performance the only thing that i would change about this movie in terms of people cast would be replacing bill bailey who was the voice of the whale with eddie Izzard. and like that's such a fucking minor that's thing such a minor thing um no i mean to me it's just like i kind of wish that the cast was full of petunias just thought oh no not again yeah i i, I just many kind think of... that if we understand what that meant we'd understand the universe more yeah I, I, like that. I i i i just feel like if the cast was more british i think that a lot of the british humor would land a little bit more but that's the thing is like most of this is like like this came out 15 years ago and it was like at least 30 year old jokes like so like what are you like you know it was technically profitable because it had a budget of $45 million and earned, like, 120 Barely. So it wasn't, like, yeah. super profitable, but... Yeah, definitely didn't justify a it wasn't, sequel, it but wasn't it didn't like lose a, money. It wasn't like a John Carter of Mars. No, no. I mean, it's not even uh, the Ghostbusters reboot, which honestly is not as unsuccessful as people think it is but that movie no the movie was just really expensive so no i mean that's the thing is that movie was as crazy expensive all right again like we're we're getting off topic we gotta wrap this shit up um so so what now we gotta go verdict time oh yeah verdict time um i fucking love this movie like if it's not entirely clear that i love this movie i fucking love this movie i say absolutely see it it's got some shit that hasn't dated as well, but I still think it's one. I still think it's something worth watching. But I'm also again biased because I kind of love the entire properties. But I think the movie is my favorite iteration of the really. Property. Yeah, the yeah. movie. The movie is. Uh, I don't know where I'd place it. Um, I feel like it's maybe fourth. And like that means that it's like wow. just only beating out the BBC miniseries. Like honestly, I say see it because I really like the production design, but like I just feel like there's so many other versions that are more worthwhile to check out instead of the film. And I feel like so much of the film is just kind of like reliving nostalgia of what you like about the series. Like it's it feels almost like to an ex- like there's a lot of new all, content all that's added but but added. it's yeah there's a lot of like new parts so it's not like total cliff notes but 
it's a little cliff notesy. Um, like like the new things that are added, like Zavod's performance is very different than I think I had interpreted the character before. I think Vogue's fear is really cool. Like the whole like have an idea get slapped in the face thing, I think is hilarious. Um, but like a lot of it is just rehashing stuff that I've seen that in other media I think does better. So like, I still say, see it again, because I do think the visual design is so good and it's not like there's anything really bad. It's just like, if this is how you're going to be exposed to hitchhiker's guide, this is not where I would start. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I wish I knew how I felt. I mean, uh, so my verdict is definitely see it, but like, I'm just thinking about your last comment saying, you know, that like, I'm not sure that this is the best introduction to the series. And it's like, it makes me wonder, like, if my, I wonder if my mother ever saw this movie because my mom tried reading the first book and was like, nope, done. And like, just does not like his writing style. But it's like, it makes me wonder if the movie would appeal to her more and maybe get her more interested in like potentially reading more of the series. But I mean, the movie really moves along, whereas, like, yeah, other iterations, there's a lot of asides. Um, it's one of yeah. the reasons why I think I enjoy the movie the most, mm. because it still has a lot of those asides. I just feel the like the asides are the best and part, and, like, like, the actual plot of it is just, like, whatever, so. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Yeah. Like, I, I, I actually, yeah, I mean, I, like my only experience is with the books and the movie and like i've read the books twice i'll think the last time was probably at least 15 years ago probably longer and uh yeah i mean honestly i i do i do love the books and you know i i i really like the movie but i i don't know that i would put it ahead of the books yeah that's like that's the thing is i i think i would probably rank it i think i think the radio play is my favorite version um and then i would probably say the books are second and then i'd say the game and then this and then the bbc miniseries but yeah i i I feel like i'm ranking the game higher than it really necessarily should be just because I really enjoyed with my the first game. Exposure. So like for me, because yeah. I use, I kind of use this as just an excuse to like consume all the other forms <laughs> of Hitchhiker media. Yeah. So the unfortunate thing for me, at least is the radio play is probably fourth for me mm. with the BBC miniseries being fifth, yeah. but it's not an issue that I had with, the radio play itself, it was more an issue with my experience with it, given that it really needs a remaster. Like it just, Mm. it sounded really bad. So that was just turning me off from it the entire time. Plus, well, the radio play has the problem. One of the, one of the critiques I'll have with the radio, one of the critiques. Yeah. One of the critiques I have of the radio play is that I feel like Ford and Zaphod their characters overlap too much at times um Mm. and and it becomes difficult to distinguish them but i just think there are certain sequences um such as when they're cowering behind the computers and getting fired upon and announcing that they still are not dead is like 
is really funny to me and something that could have been in the movie, which is something that's well, frustrating. Well, it's also one of the details yeah. about, like, you know, Prosser, right? yeah. Genghis Khan. Like, yeah. I wish that there were specific details that had made it into the movie, but mm-hmm. I also accept that, like, not every detail that I love is going to make it into it. But I agree yeah. with you. I, I love that, like, getting shot at, are you dead? No. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. no, there's <laughs> that. And then I, I do love that almost every episode, I think every episode always ends with some sort of like tag of a line. And one of the, one of another gag that I really like, and again, this plays into why the narrator becomes such an important character is, is like, like when they're attacked by the uh, nuclear missiles, um, approaching Magrathea in the radio play, the narrator stops the narrative and says, we realize that this action sequence could be really stressful. We're just going to say a, that everyone ends up fine. So don't worry. Like about this it. happens, this happens, yeah, this happens. Yeah, it, like, Although somebody does get, someone a gets mildly yeah, on their someone gets, arm, gets bruised on their arm. So, Oh, we're going to keep the suspense alive by not telling you which character. And then there's a throwaway <laughs> gag at the end that's just like, and then it's Arthur saying like, "Ow, I hurt my arm. <laughs> it's just like, and that's it. That's like, that gag no, I, works yeah. really well like, for That's me. a gag that I, I miss from it because <laughs> yeah. I find that shit really and amazing. Just, I it's, do it's, wish it's, we had gotten more guide in no, the movie. No, but it's, it's, it's a gag that only works in the radio play format. Um, and yeah. that's, that's one of those things that's just like, like it's interesting to see what works and what doesn't in various formats. Um, and especially with the movie, if you've ever explored some of the deleted scenes, it's interesting to see the stuff that they couldn't make work. I mean, you get a hint of it with the post credit sequence with the credit sequence of like one of the stories of like the battle fleet um, and idle words cost lives. Hey, I do love that we actually got that sequence in the movie right even but it's it just like, like mid credit sequence that we didn't know where to fit this in but right. we still want to put it in exactly it's just like we don't like this this is a classic gag it's funny we don't know where to put it and that's that's what a significant portion of the deleted scenes are um though i mean i love the way that the stylized guide animations looked in this like that's one of the things that's great about this is the art direction is just like it's not just like the vogons look great and i really like the stylized um animated sequences uh with the guide mm-hmm. um I, just, I think they're very attractive they're like slight flash animation but yeah but that's fine great colors and i love how yeah. they move but um so that's but, yeah. but that's three see it so yeah <laughs> Well, welcome to See It or See It. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, this has been our first episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed us. Uh, if you do enjoy us, hopefully by the time this is actually posted, we have like a Facebook and an Instagram and a Twitter and a Patreon. But I need to hurry up and design our logo. So <laughs> at, some point, at some show. point we'll hopefully have more episodes we don't know what we're seeing next that might be something that we need to edit in at some point but like yeah, yeah. no whatever um, our next episode will end up being uh, the uh, 1902 classic of a train on tracks um yeah so we'll all be uh, running out of the way yeah well because like <laughs> fuck why is there a train coming at me so that's going to be our next episode. We're going to commit actually three and a half hours to that one. So I hope you're ready. 
uh, the history of film. I mean, like you can talk about it, but like, yeah. Uh. But yeah, um, we've been theater. Screw it. Um, I've been TJ Davis alongside Emily Schick and Dan. Um, yeah. Check us out next time. We yeah. like talking movies. Bye. You guys got anything? Bye. Yeah, we, uh, we need some sort of sign-off catchphrase, but for now, yeah, we're we'll, not we'll there have yet. The, we'll have, yeah, uh, yeah. Mur- I don't mur- really mur- have mur- a catchphrase. Mur- mur- Lisa Simpson. Uh, catchphrase. Our catchphrase would just be us murmuring into the mic. Yeah, mur- yeah, mur- just mur- talking mur- over mur- each other until. Yeah, mur- exactly. Rabble, 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 rabble. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.